Thanks for tuning in to the meditation conversation. Hop on over to karagoodwin.com. You can get a free 10-minute guided meditation right on the homepage to help you experience deep levels of peace. I also have lots of resources to learn meditation and to support your practice. And of course, by supporting those services, you are supporting my work, including the production of this very podcast to assist more souls on their path to awakening. Thank you for your support and enjoy this episode. Okay, here we are with part two of my interview with Barbara Lamb. If you haven't yet, I encourage you to listen to the previous episode, which was our, our um, the first half of this, where we spent a lot of time talking about Barbara's... Um, she, she just talks about a lot of examples of different things that have come up in regressions over time, mostly focused on the ET encounter phenomenon. Um, in this section, we continue with that, but she also shares more about her own personal experiences, and we start talking about soul purpose, auras, um, how children view reality and how that changes as we kind of get indoctrinated into this human experience. There is so much beautiful, uh, many, many beautiful threads that we pull through this. So please enjoy. Well, that goes back to, first of all, thank you for sharing that um, about the crop circle experience, because that is such a, a beautiful story on so many levels, like what you're talking about, where there was the exchange, you know, yeah. and your request was heard and, and answered. And then just the phenomenon, I mean, the crop circles are just so compelling and and, yeah. and amazing. Um, but yeah. at the end, you're bringing up this point that I didn't get to let you, I didn't let you finish about the fear and the, you know, the, the complete experience that, that does start with, okay, I've been abducted, you know, or this realization, how do people feel about that? And, and what are the reveals that come through that? Well, there are many, many different feelings that different people have about this. Uh, some people are curious. Uh, they have various clues that something peculiar like this, something unknown, has been happening to them. Uh, for instance, they'll notice at some time, they'll, and this could be at any age, they'll notice that there's an unusual marking on their skin. It might be a perfect triangle, mm -hmm. and that perfect triangle might be looking like it's a series of little pinprick dots forming mm -hmm. a perfect triangle and that could be anywhere on their body could even be on their back and whomever they're living with might see it and they might not ever detect it themselves because it's on their back um, or it might be um, what looked like fingertip bruises hmm. or it might be um, a straight line of what looks like pinprick dots or the triangle um, might sometimes be a bruise, like a perfect triangular-shaped bruise, particularly on the abdomen and particularly with females. Hmm. Um, it could be a scoop-shaped mark, as if there'd been a little scoop-shaped tool that took some flesh out of the person, but didn't go through all seven layers of the skin. 
to cause bleeding. Mm-hmm. Probably stop just short of that last layer of skin. Uh, but some like so like a bit of flesh has been removed. Mm-hmm. Or it might be a straight, pure straight line, white scar. I know two people who had that. Uh, so it might be a circle of pinprick marks and then a ring, a perfect ring, perfect design around that circle. Mm. So there are things like this um, and odd bruises here and there, but particularly the ones that have a defined shape that we recognize. When a person wakes up and or is showering and notices, you know, that's inciting a lot of curiosity. Well, where did this come from? Right. What is this? How did I how did I get that? I I couldn't have done that in my sleep, you know. Yeah. So uh there will be things like that that will get people to wonder. And then there's always the missing time experience that many, many experiencers have. So they were they might be indoors doing something, they might be outdoors, they might be driving in a car, and then suddenly it seems a little different, like if they're driving a car. Um, Very frequently they will have a sense that, or see that either in front of them, up in the sky, fairly close, there's an unusual looking craft or light shining down at them, or it might be you see that through the mirror view mirror or the side window. And then the car motor starts to sort of peter out. And they think, oh, you know, the car is dying, so they'll pull off the road, fortunately. And then usually that light had come from a craft and the craft has come closer or landed and beings will come. And even if the doors to the car are locked, they'll just open the doors. We don't know how they do these things, but they do them. And then uh, take the person out. If the person has a companion, the companion is usually what we call switched off, which means just they're not harmed in any way, but they're just made to be unconsciously aware. No conscious awareness at all. Mm-hmm. Just like the one, the companion in bed might be switched off right. for the duration of the visit. Encounter, yeah. And the person, the experiencer, will be just taken out of the car and taken onto the ship. And the ship leaves. It usually goes up in the sky where we don't see it. And then all kinds of things can happen to the person on the ship. And then suddenly the person realizes they're back in the car again. Oh, wow. And it's an hour and a half or two hours later. Hmm. So a a person, I mean, that definitely gets somebody's attention. Yeah. It turns out that the car is functioning perfectly again. Hmm. Nothing's been ruined in the motor of the car. So that's good. Yeah. But those kinds of experiences happen. And often um, experiences will uh, be in any kind of situation, even with other people right around them. 
Really? And suddenly have an hour and a half or two of missing time. And or very often somebody will be driving along in a car, very often with a companion in the car, and they'll suddenly be at their destination, but it's a couple of hours later than they should have arrived there. Mm. It's a classic missing time experience. And then I've known of a couple of people who were driving along a Southern California freeway going in one direction, and then a missing time experience happened. And when they were put back in their car, they noticed that the car was going in the opposite direction. <sighs> anyway, that's happened with two different people I know. Really? Yeah. Oh, I would think you you would think you're losing your mind at that point. But these yeah, are the yeah. triggers that people have that make them think like, maybe I need a regression. Yes. I want to figure out what's happened. Oh, this is really strange. So, um, and then, I mean, it can take years. And it often does take years before the person will have tried to find out what what happened. I mean, how could how could that happen? Hmm. You know, and I mean, it might be decades, really, that a person will wonder about a peculiar experience they've had, and then gradually, maybe they hear about these kinds of things and put that together in their own mind. Oh, oh, wow. maybe that maybe that's what happened back in 1953, you know, <laughs> when I was on this highway going a certain place. So they remember those details because they were so peculiar. Yeah. And when they come to me, they say, well, I'd like to know what happened that night. It was back in 1953, and I was on my way from Oregon to Idaho and you know and 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 suddenly my car and I were going in the opposite direction or we got to my destination much later an hour or two later than I had expected to and nowadays it's interesting because so many people travel to new places by GP, GPS mm -hmm. or cell phones or their other device, and um, the GPS will tell them how long it's expected to take to get to that destination. So they have that kind of as a, a proof, shall we say, Yeah. on the GPS. And uh, then when they get there at a different time, especially an hour or two later, than the GPS had said, and yet they hadn't. They know they hadn't run into a lot of traffic or an accident or anything. Um, you know, they put that together. They, oh well, what, what could have happened in all that time? So it's really interesting to know that those kinds of missing time experiences, in other words, visitations and removals by the beings can happen even when the person is right there in a group of people. That is fascinating. You wouldn't think that, right. that, but it does many times. So, for instance, I worked with a woman who uh, went back in the regression to a college 
experience. She was in her middle years when she came to me, but she'd always wondered about that one particular night when she was in college and she was in somebody's home in a party with other college students. And they had beer and they were smoking cigarettes and they had music on. And um, during regular college party. And then a UFO, what they had not realized was that a UFO had landed in the field across the street. And three beings had come in through the front door and taken this one female college student, my client, uh, switched everybody in the room off. And that meant that anybody who was picking up a glass of beer, it was on their way suspended, just frozen there. Or anybody picking up a cigarette to smoke it or putting a cigarette out or reaching for something or getting up to dance with the music or whatever that right in mid act, they were frozen there, not harmed in any way. And then the, the girl, the college girl was taken for the experience for hour and a half or so. And then the beings brought her back, came in through the front door seated her back where she had been on the sofa. And as they left, everyone kind of came to. So the beer glass continued to go up. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. (laughs) To be consumed. The cigarette had already burned out and was just a little stub in the person's hand and so forth. And the person who was on their way to getting up to dance continued to get up. The music had stopped by then. And they they all realized it was much later. Same thing happened in a big insurance company in New York City with one of those big, huge open um, offices with p- different people working in different cubicles. Mm-hmm. One afternoon, the elevator doors opened. Three beings came into this office room, took one woman who was working there, switched off everybody else in that big room full of cubicles and people. And then um, after a a period of time, the woman was brought back to her cubicle, put right back in her chair by her desk, and everybody sort of came to. And then people were gradually saying, how did the afternoon go so fast? Or... I would have thought it was about three o'clock, but it, my watch says it's five o'clock. Or where did the time fly? My goodness, this was yeah. the best afternoon I've ever been here. You know, they, I mean, they hadn't realized, of course, what had happened. Yeah. Who had been taken uh, was astonished that it was a couple of hours later than she would have thought it should be. But yeah. there must have been something with each of those clients where they they recognized something peculiar and wanted to revisit it in regression. Was yeah. it the missing time? Was that the trigger for them? Um, I don't remember exactly okay. a few years ago, but uh, definitely something. It could have been the missing time or it could have been that she had some new markings on her body or All right. something, something that definitely brought her attention to it that she'd wondered about for several years and then finally found me to come to. Yeah. To find out the details. 
And then another client was one afternoon on the beach. It was a, a beach party with a group of people, 10 or 12 people. <clears throat> they all had their beach chairs and blankets set out and everything. And then she suddenly was inspired to get up and walk away from the people she was with, walk down to the far end of the beach. She didn't know why. I mean, she was very happy. They were talking to the people and drinking cold drinks and having a good old time. Uh, but she got up and she just felt compelled to walk down toward the other end of the beach. And when she was at quite a distance from her people who stayed where they were, uh, she was taken mm -hmm. and had a whole experience and was brought back later to uh, the end of the beach and and then walked back to rejoin her people, wondering why she had left the group she was really having fun with, why she'd left the group to walk down to the other end of the beach and huh. didn't realize that, you know, what had happened. Yeah. So, uh, so these beings really have, from our point of view, miraculous abilities. Yeah. Take people and bring them back and, and not harm them. Now, I want to say that um, as mysterious and often uh, frightening as this is to many people, um, many of them do find in the regression that it turns out to be a very hopeful and useful experience. And, and they're sometimes very grateful to the beings. Mm. So more and more people are coming to me uh, to find out the details of experiences that they've had because they have a very strong sense that they're connected somehow with some very <clears throat> loving beings, unconditionally loving beings. And they welcome their contacts with those beings. And they want to know more about them. Mm -hmm. And they want to know more of what that relationship is and why they are in contact with them. So they have experiences which we could think of as abductions, but 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 these they they don't even want to use that word for these experiences. They might say visits, they might say encounters, they might say meetings with. Oh, I had a meeting with my special beings a few nights ago, and I want to know more details about it. I want to know what they said because often it seems like those experiences with these loving beings are to sort of positively recharge them and very often help them to carry out their mission here on earth, the person's mission. So very often these people feel like there's a special connection between them and their beings. Frequently, these people call them star beings my star beings which is a much uh nicer word than aliens they yeah. don't think of being aliens they think of them as being really really special beings my star beings and of a, of a wonderful dimension and and coming from a very loving realm mm. and they want these experiences 
and they want to know about experiences with them that they've already had. Mm -hmm. So that seems to be that more and more people are waking up to the fact that they have these kinds of experiences. Yeah. More about it. And very frequently, those people I'm talking about um, receive messages in their lives from the beings, particularly if they're meditators. Hmm. Sit down and relax and meditate frequently. When they're in the meditation, they'll receive, sometimes they call it a download, mm-hmm. receive messages from the beings. It's not necessarily a back and forth conversation, uh, but they they actually are receiving very helpful, positive messages from those beings. Mm. And so more and more people are coming to me to with a sense that they're here on a mission. They they're not quite sure what that mission is. It might be teaching, it might be physical healing, it might be channeling of the beings, it could be any number of things. And they might already be doing some of that, but they want clarity and validation Mm. for the experiences they're having with the beings and what that mission is that they have agreed with those very fine beings to be doing here on earth. So many people who are finding me these years and these days um, are people who really want to know more about that. It's astonishing to me that in this last year or two, I've had so many people, when they email me, I have not been aware of them, but they they find me. Online, or they call me, or they text me, and um, they say, "I've been guided to you <laughs> to find out more about why I am really here in this life." And that's what they come, and we go into that in the regression. Whoops, huh. regressions uh, very often involve what I tell them uh, will be their higher self their higher knowing, their soul knowing, and and it involves the other beings. So uh, very often in those regressions, it's not that we're focusing on what happened, but we're focusing on the communications with those higher beings. And it's very meaningful for the person. And sometimes they realize in those sessions that they're actually already doing their mission, whether it's physical healing or teaching or disseminating information about the beings or or whatever their particular mission is, uh, they get validation from these regressions and being in touch with their star beings Mm. uh, that, yes, this is what... They're supposed to be doing. Keep on doing it. Do it more. Yeah. That's why they're on Earth. So that's that's very reassuring and very helpful for people. Yeah. And then there are people who come who do not have a sense that they have anything to do with star beings or any kind of beings, 
And they just simply wonder why they chose to come into this life. And what are they supposed to be doing? Now, these people are usually at least in their 50s, maybe 60s, 70s, even 80s in a few cases. And, um, you know, it's time to get on with whatever they came to do. Right. And and they don't know what that is. And so we'll do a regression to that, to go back to their soul knowing. And, and the soul, uh, well, what happens is that there's sort of a reenactment of their being a soul with other souls to guide them and deciding, considering and deciding to come into this incarnation. And that's very interesting because they can see why they chose that particular family and that race to be part of and that culture and that part of the world. And um, and then the main point, so that's all very, very interesting to them. And um, <clears throat> primarily, uh, they value finding out the main reason why they came into this life. So it was explained to me years ago by a very wise non-terrestrial being that when we come into a lifetime, it's almost like signing up to go to college or university and that there will be a main subject that we will be majoring in. And then there will be all these elective subjects. So that's true if we go on to higher education. Mm -hmm. It's the same way in life that our soul, with the help of other souls discussing these things, <clears throat> decide to come in and have a major thing that we're coming in for. And then we have these elective things, like we might be learning about communication or uh, learning how to have a good relationship or how to have a good relationship with an animal, a pet, or um, how to make money, how to experience success without developing a lot of ego, um, you know, or any number of things that that we find ourselves involved with. Or it might be include being with a particular person who we have been with in previous lifetimes, but in a different role in this lifetime. And that has reasons for it, too. It's very, very helpful to see these things. Yeah. Like, I need to learn forgiveness. And so I will be with this particular person, and something will go very, very wrong, and I will be very hurt. And then I will have the opportunity to learn to forgive that person. Yeah. So it, it can be very helpful to get that whole perspective. And I find that more and more people are coming for those reasons. And I think they're just really wonderful. Yeah. By the way, I just want to say that as we're talking, I'm seeing your aura around your head and shoulders and is so bright. It's this beautiful 
light blue and sometimes takes on sort of a light greenish tint and it's it's moving. The aura moves all the time. It's more thick over here and then more pronounced over there. And then there'll be a bloop over here and then it evens out and and mm-hmm. uh, just very, very active. Oh, well, thank Did you it, so much. Yeah, yeah. How fun is that? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I hadn't been aware of seeing it, but as I was just talking with you, I just thought, wow, I've got to comment on this. I mean, oh. it is so, so bright, so beautiful. Oh, so, wow. So dazzling. Thank yeah. you so much. Blue, and then sometimes a, a light blue green. That's. And, little bit little bit of faint yellow over to that side huh right now yeah so I it know. helps it helps me <laughs> when there's a plain wall oh yeah light wall plain wall behind a person uh-huh. that's and to see them oh yeah. that's that's amazing thank you yeah wow. so many people if i've commented about their aura they say, oh teach me how to to see an aura but it's very easy i think and i learned just by chance it just happened years ago and <clears throat> i think the the ingredient that really helps is that it, instead of looking at the details of the face of the person you're looking at don't look specifically at their eyes or nose your mouth your expression whatever just sort of gaze at the face of the person a very so it's a soft soft gaze soft gaze uh-huh and then it should at least that's how i find yeah. it and then you see this light very often it will start in my experience seeing or as it will start with kind of a thin layer of fairly white light and then it will develop bigger and into colors and with the same person, it might be quite a different color um, as we go on or from time to time. How interesting. Different situations. Yeah. yeah. I guess that makes sense, right? Depending on the state that you're in, you know, especially with energy because it, yeah. it is dynamic. Yes. Wow. Well, that's great. You're yeah. doing well. Oh, well. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> what a fun surprise. Beautiful person, beautiful oh. beautiful appearance too, but you have this beautiful aura. Oh, wow. That right, that right after when I said that, it got very, very white. Oh, and that wow. Blue, blue with little slightly yellow edges to it. They're not really edges, but the outermost part. Wow. Yeah. Wow, thank you. That's amazing. Oh, you're welcome. So it's been very interesting um, working with couples. Uh, I was licensed in 1973 as a psychotherapist and have done many years of, of psychotherapy work. And some of that work has been with couples. Mm. And um so I would be sitting opposite. Usually the couples would be sitting on my sofa against a, a plain sort of very light beige wall. And I would be sitting in a chair opposite them. So it was a perfect setup. And um, 
I hadn't planned it that way, but it just turned out to be that way. And after a while, working with the couples, I noticed that, oh, yeah, I was I was seeing their auras. And usually, well, if the couple was having a lot of difficulties, which they probably would or they wouldn't have come to me for counseling anyway, um, that one person's aura would be a certain color and the other person in the couple, that person's aura would be a very different color. Mm. Then they would interact. So like her aura might move over a little bit closer to his. His might even retreat out the other side of his head. And then it would kind of go back and forth and the colors of the auras would mingle. How about that? So they don't didn't necessarily physically move closer, but the auras did, depending on what they were doing, talking yeah. about each other or to each other. And so that was very interesting. So there was one couple who came and the young woman, her aura was bright white, just gorgeous. And the husband's aura was darkish brown gray the mm -hmm. only person i've ever seen a brown grayish brown aura on and as her white aura would move over to his his brown aura would really move away like he didn't really really want contact with her even in the energy field wow and then his would withdraw again and hers would after moments like that Hers would sort of dim down a bit. And then as I was talking further with her, it would amplify and, and brighten and his would get more brown. Well, I I guessed from that that as well as things that they were saying uh, that, you know, I don't think this couple is really going to stay together for life. <laughs> yeah. And they didn't. Yeah. And I think that it was in my opinion, um, appropriate because they were on such different energy and consciousness levels. Right. Yeah. Uh, so and to your point, there must have been something there between them that was, you know, that they had for each other for that time that they were together. Together and got married. Right. I mean, there definitely was something. And I think this was many years ago, actually, but that I worked with them. But um, kind of from hindsight, um, I I would guess that her getting together with him uh, had a lot of empathy in it. Mm. That she hoped that she could sort of lighten and brighten him up. Mm -hmm. He probably was very drawn to her because she was this being with so much more light and he he wanted that he needed that mm -hmm. and probably she made him feel better yeah were together than when he was by himself yeah combination i think was just not going to be one that would last for a lifetime right yeah so that was too bad That's that's fascinating to see it at all, to see the auras at all and yeah. 
And I'm starting to have some experiences like that too. I'm not a very, that's not been my strong suit where I can see energy or anything, but it's starting to open up more and more. And so in that soft gaze, like what you've taught, what you talk about is like so imperative. And it also makes me realize like I'm, I'm having these, I've been having these flashes of memories, but they're or, or knowings, they're not even so much memories, but like, oh, this is how it is as a child. And we sharpen our, we sharpen our vision as we get older, because if you think about it, like you go to the eye doctor and it's like, you know, you, can you see this letter, you know, from a distance? And it's like, (laughs) we're looking for that sharp focus. Well, when you're looking with the soft gaze and you're looking at a more complete, you know, if you're looking at a tree and you're looking at the tree beyond the definition of the physical tree, you're looking at it with a soft gaze, but it's kind of blurry, you know, cause you're, yeah. you're not looking at it sharply. And right. I feel like this is something that I don't remember seeing auras, but I just sort of like, feel like it was an indoctrination of like, Oh, this is how you look with physical eyes. This is how you see things. Like you sharpen it, you you look for the edges and you like notice yeah. where things end and start and things like that. And we're very accustomed to that. Yeah. And I think we're uh, almost taught that as well. Right. Look at the letters on the blackboard. Yeah. You know, look at the numbers. Yeah. And that's a very fine defined fine-tuned kind of looking yes one time years ago i was in a lovely outdoor place on sort of a slope there were big trees in the distance and and some gently rolling hills over there in the distance and i was just very relaxed and talking with my friend and and just noticed that I was seeing all these auras of the the trees as I was looking up and and that the hills had a beautiful aura over them. And I asked my friend, do you see that? And he didn't. But um, wow, I I can remember that whole afternoon, I was just dazzled by these nature forms and the earth itself, you know, just... Glowing with this aura of, of energy. Wow. It's really nice. And That's I, so if I had tried to see it, I probably wouldn't have. But I was just very relaxed and talking and having that soft gaze. And yeah. just, it was. I mean, there yes. it was all the time anyway, but I just hadn't seen it. That's what it is so funny about it. So many of these reveals where it's like, oh my God, it's always here. You know, yes, we did. I just didn't know it. Yes, yes. I feel that way. Like when I look at the sky, if I give myself just time, just like you're saying, in a relaxed state with a soft gaze, and you just start to see these like pin pricks of, you know, um, sparkly, like, uh, but they're just very fast. You know, it's like sparkle, 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 sparkle. And they'll, you know, it just as soon as you can even see it, it's gone. Yeah. And it's like, they're everywhere. 
and they're always there, but I just don't always see them, you know, but it's like, but I, you know, it's like, if I could, if I just can like bring my, my focus in at the right level, Uh then there they are. And, and it's just, it's not like, oh, they've arrived. It's like, oh, I'm here now. (laughs) (laughs) Like I arrived. (laughs) This is it. (laughs) Right. When I was a child, and my parents used to take me skiing, snow skiing, up in Canada. And um, those were the days when we did not have chairlifts, but we had a J-bar. We'd just come down and you'd sit on the uh-huh. part of the J-bar. So I'd ride up by myself and uh, ride up the mountain. And, of course, there was snow completely on the ground. And I, I would notice it was sort of a very relaxed reverie time riding up this ski lift between skiing down and I've noticed very often this went on for years actually when skiing and I'd noticed that between me and the the snow down there on the ground which was sort of an uphill you know um that there were that the air was filled with these little, it seemed like transparent circles with a little dot in them. Oh. That all I could, because of the snow, I could see it very clearly. Like all that plain white. Oh, right. Um, yeah. That and, and they were always moving around, sort of dancing around. Very, very pretty. And I don't know what those were, but it it happened for for years going to that ski place at, and going up the the lift. I would I would see that and oh. figure that if I can see it here, it probably means they're everywhere. Yeah. What whatever, I don't know if it's energy or what it is, but it was always lovely. I, I just sort of when I go back the first time the next year and go up the ski lift and see the, oh, oh yeah, these are my friends. They felt friendly, yeah. felt perfectly okay. It was part of reality that that I saw only there in wow. that situation. That's and magical. And then again, year after year, I did that for six years. So I figured, you know, this must be part of the way it is part of reality if these are here every every year and every ride up the the hill right (laughs) i see these things it must be here to stay right (laughs) yes i love that (laughs) yeah wow well nobody knew what i was talking about (laughs) yeah many things i know what that's like here yeah (laughs) parents would you know, be okay. They were polite. Right. Say unusual things like that. Like for instance, um, but they didn't know what I was talking about, but I don't think, but um, I remember when very young, probably age four or so standing in our dining room and touching the hard windowsill and touching the very hard dining table Mm. and saying to my mother, what else is there? I know there's something 
more than all this. Oh. She didn't, I don't blame her, but she had no idea what I was talking about. I was really talking about reality mm. and other dimensions, but I didn't know it. Yeah. I just knew there was something so much more than the physical world. Yeah. And you remember that or she would tell you that later? No, I remember it. You do. Wow. Yeah. Oh. And, and there really wasn't an answer for it. Right. And I didn't really, I think at the time, expect an answer, mm -hmm. but it certainly was evident to me that I was wondering about reality and is there something other than this den that's why i was patting these yeah. they're still on the table they were so hard right and firm and so physical so dense so there and yeah. i just knew that there was a lot more beyond that but i just didn't know what it was or even how to ask about it yeah yeah wow <laughs> So it's so amazing how children, how, you know, it's, it, it's kind of like we, we come in with so much and then we sort of whittle it down as we learn how to be human, you know, it's like, yes. oh, we just accept that when we're human, you know, it's like, don't think about yeah. that. <laughs> and of course, as a child, I never thought of not being human. Right. Yeah. I did. I think I did sort of wonder where we came from before yeah. here that's mm -hmm. a little bit of a sense of that but then again there wasn't anybody to talk to about that yeah I don't, say, I don't know yeah I remember <laughs> that too I remember thinking like where was I before here? And then also time. I thought for so long I would get stuck like what was before time? Oh, it well. was before time. And it was like, <laughs> well, God, and I knew like God was before time. And, but it was like, but what was before God? Like, how did God get there? You know, and I would just like go around and around and around. And I just couldn't get to, I couldn't solve it. I couldn't solve it. <laughs> I'm still working on that. Probably, I would say you probably still haven't. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. But I remember okay, sort of wondering, sensing that I, I didn't even think in terms of dimensions, but mm -hmm. I just knew there was something else. Yeah. It wasn't like that. And, um, oh gosh, it wasn't until well into my adult life, decades into my adult life, that I began to really think about and hear about other dimensions mm, yeah. of reality and other dimensional beings. Mm -hmm. And that, oh, I was, I really welcomed that kind of like, ah, I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> I've known that. <laughs> I didn't cognitively know it. Yeah. yeah. Right. But it was this very deep recognition and gratefulness that this was being talked about. Ah. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Yes. What that's what I was wondering about. Right. Well, I feel like in your work, I mean, you've been a pioneer in this space of ufology and experiencers and 
And you've been that for so many people where it's like, oh my God, somebody's somebody's talking about it. Somebody's revealing it. Somebody's helping us to form this picture that where we had all these missing pieces. Like I had like one piece of the puzzle and now, oh my God, I found Barbara Lamb and she's helping me to put these other pieces so that I can make sense of what's happened. So it's really, I mean, it's fun to hear you talk about how it's like, oh my God, yes, multinationality, (laughs) you know, but then it's like, yes. And also how many people have you done that for? You know, it's like countless because they're your clients, but then also through your books and your appearances and conferences and so forth that, you know, it's, it's imperative what you've been doing. So, so well, thank you. Well, I would like to say that back in 1983, um, before I even knew there was such a thing as regression, mm-hmm. if not regression, before that, didn't even know there existed such a thing. But I was very inspired to go to a workshop uh, run by a weekend workshop run by a woman named Helen Wambach. Mm-hmm. And Helen Wambach had us lying on mats on the floor, those of us who attended the workshop. And she would lead us into one previous lifetime. And then, and it could be any time period that we chose. And to find out if we'd had a a past life in that time period. Mm. And like she would mention a bunch of time periods. There's the early 20th century. There's the 1800s, 1900s, uh, 1700s, 1600s. The year 1000, you know, back before Christ. 2000 years before Christ. 3000 years, you know, so on. And then. She'd say, just take whichever one you seem to resonate with as I say that. And that's the one that you will go to in a regression. Mm -hmm. So she would do the relaxation part, the induction. And then she'd say, okay, uh, be in that time period and just notice whatever you notice. And, And we had pads of paper and a pen right next to us. And she said, remember the details, remember the the weather, the climate, the place in the world it seemed to be, um, whether you were male, whether you were female, more or less what you were doing, what was your home like if you had a home, what was the furniture like, what were the utensils like, what was the cooking apparatus you had. Mm. So, so he kept asking all these detailed questions. And if she would ask them, we individually, without saying anything out loud, without reporting what we were seeing, we just kept seeing more and more details and go to, and then she'd say, go to the most important thing that happened in that lifetime. And boom, there would be this scenario that would come up. So she did that with six different lifetimes, which was extremely interesting. Yeah. Um, And then she said, those of you who would, like to could do a regression to go back to your soul and your soul's deciding to come into this lifetime. Wow. And she said, would any of you like to do that? And I said, yes. Yeah, right. Me. 
And other some other people didn't, but there were two or three of us who did. So we laid, she said, the rest of you just, you know, lie on your mat and take a little nap or whatever you want. Go get a drink of water. But, you know, those of you who want to just uh, go into that. So I went back to being a soul considering coming into this lifetime, which was a very interesting process of why I chose the race to be female, to grow up in the New York City area, to grow up with those particular parents and that particular brother, and on and on. And what was the point of choosing them to be with? And all of it, I mean, I got immediate answers to everything. And then she said, which was very meaningful, I I still often think of that from 1983. Yeah, yeah, that is so meaningful to me and um then she said now let yourself see the main reason why you're going to enter that lifetime and immediately i i knew oh it's to show people how it really is and by that i meant that there's this huge realm of souls that now and then choose to come into lifetimes for particular reasons. It's like this vast, vast realm, full, millions of souls who would at various times choose to be incarnated. And not only that, but behind me, I sense, there's an even larger realm of souls who were beings who were not human beings, but they were in the spirit realm. And I couldn't see them. And at that time, I did not know about extraterrestrials. So I had no no frame of reference. Words for it. But there's these other beings that are just as real as the souls who are going to be incarnated at various times. And that's what I'm coming into this lifetime to share. So that was 1983. Little did I know that I would even be doing regression work, which I've done ever since 1984, (laughs) (laughs) training in past life regression therapy, and certainly didn't know that there even was such a thing as the extraterrestrials, or that I would be working with people who experience them. But somehow in that soul visitation or regression to my soul, I knew that. Wow. It turns out that for many years now, um, I have been very, very involved in that. Yeah. Yeah, I still do. I still do past life regressions. Which really? are wonderful and very helpful. Yeah. Um, mostly nowadays, I'm doing the extraterrestrial mm-hmm. regressions or connect connecting people with their star families. Yes, and they want that experience. Right. Yeah. So it's yeah. very wonderful. It's been quite a journey. Yeah, I mean, I consider myself just amazingly blessed. You've to had a to do this. 
Yeah, very blessed life. Yeah. And and how lucky are we that you are fulfilling your purpose because that's <laughs> it's not a given, you know, and and you had a very big calling. So thank you for oh. eating the call. <laughs> oh. Well, thank you. And you're so welcome. It's been an enormous goodness, enormous pleasure for me. I, I feel privileged. Yes, you know, I feel privileged. Anyway, I always did as a therapist. I felt very privileged that these people would somehow find me and, and come to me. Yeah. And then, uh, so that's been through all of this. But um, especially, I, I feel privileged when somebody comes to me for these explorations. Yeah. Uh, different beings different dimensions often right. different amazing experiences that they've had yeah yeah wow. and i think that part of my openness um has been the serendipity of having um several out-of-body experiences myself mm. before that like in the one in 1969 and then several around the end of the 1970s and early 80s. Mm -hmm. And they were always very spontaneous. They would happen when I certainly wasn't thinking of doing that sort of thing. But and always when I was very, very relaxed. Oh. And I'd suddenly be feel myself leaving my body. Sometimes I'd be aware of where I went. Sometimes I wouldn't. I just know I was not there for a while. Yeah. And I'd always feel myself re-entering my body and so i think that those kinds of experiences were were very fortuitous because it meant that i was realizing that you know from those experiences that we are much more than our physical bodies right and that wasn't just an idea i had heard yeah it was you know a reality that i continue to experience from time to time yeah oh this is true we are not always here in the physical body we are much more and that when we're out there we're very very conscious right i mean it is the 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 me the i and yet without a body but it's right. it's the real me yeah yeah so lately, um, I've been dealing with a broken femur bone. Oh, gosh, I'm sorry. Right up by my hip where I've had complications anyway. And so one of the gifts that there have been many difficulties with that, but many gifts too. Mm -hmm. And one of the gifts is that I I realize and think about it, think of it from time to time that I, the real me, is not this body that's hurting a lot. Mm. That I am something else and I'm in this body, this physical body that hurts every time I take a step. Yeah. It's getting a little bit, a little bit better as time goes on, but still it's there. Definitely. And um, so that's been a, a a wonderful reminder 
because I knew that before, that I am not my body. Mm-hmm. I'm just in a body. And that's true for all of us, of course. Yeah. And I am an ongoing, continuing consciousness who chose to be in this particular body in this lifetime. Yeah. And that I'm hopefully uh, learning lessons. Right. In this body, in this lifetime, including this particular chapter, which is a more difficult chapter of being in this body. Right. Uh, And also I'm extremely aware that I will not always, the I will not always be in this body. Right. You know, there'll be a time when I'll be leaving it for good, not just another out-of-body experience, but um, I'll be really saying goodbye to it and to this whole life, uh, which I'm not eager to live by any means because I really like and appreciate this life I'm in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I know that that will be happening and there'll be many other chapters elsewhere right after that so it's certainly not an ending that will be coming along at some point but um a new beginning a new beginning and 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 a new and an old familiarity i think i think yeah Wow. Of being out there, yeah. As many people say, uh, people who've had the near-death experiences, um, they often say, reporting on that afterwards, they say, "Oh, I felt like I was really home." Mm, yes, that other dimension, that that other realm. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, Barbara, I don't know where our time went. <laughs> Maybe we had some lost time. Um, I, I, what's that? It flew. It did fly. It flew. Um, it has just been a wonderful, wonderful honor to have you. And I've had a blast. This has been so much fun. And we talked about like this much of what I had on my, on my list. So you are welcome to come back anytime the door is wide open for you it would be such a joy um happy to oh i would love that wonderful Uh, (laughs) thank you so much for your time and i truly truly have loved every second of this thank you so much i have (laughs) to thank you to know you you are a very bright light oh thank you beautiful light your aura is still bright as ever (laughs) <laughs> oh, thank you. Bless you. Thank you. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'd love for you to do me one quick favor, which is to think of one person who would benefit from hearing this content. Let them know you're thinking of them by sharing this episode with them right now. Thank you. And I look forward to the next meditation conversation.